Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital and AstraZeneca. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with your host, Dr. Anish Chagpar. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, it's part two of a conversation with breast cancer survivor Claudine Mori. Dr. Chagpar is a professor of surgical oncology at the Yale School of Medicine and one of Claudine's physicians. So we had gotten to the part of the story where uh, you you were, as I said, in your early 40s. You had gone to your doctor who had given you a clean bill of health. And then uh, a couple of days later, you had found a lump. You were proactive. You went back to your doctor. One thing led to another, and you were given the diagnosis of breast cancer. You were also very proactive in interviewing doctors. You kind of talked to us about that in terms of finding the plastic surgeon that was right for you, making decisions that were right for you in terms of choosing whether you wanted to have one breast or both breasts, and, and ultimately you did decide to have a bilateral mastectomy. And so the third kind of bump in the road that we got to was the morning of surgery. I asked you how that was, and you said, you know, we, we left, you had your brother-in-law in tow, and then you it, hit traffic, and it, then you yeah. lost your brother-in-law. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I said, it, it was literally like we were in the Grand Theft Auto game, and just every single turn we made, we just hit another obstacle. Um so, yeah, so what should have taken no more than 20 minutes to get to Smilo took an hour and a half. Um, and I, of course, called like a panicked person. And of course, the nurses were like, don't worry, everyone else is late too, because what had happened was a, a fatal accident and everyone did get taken to ER. So everything was a little behind. So, they were very, very kind. But of course, my blood pressure was through the roof by the time. <laughs> We got there. And I suppose so. the moral of that snippet of the story is is a, is a greater theme, which is that, you know, particularly for breast cancer survivors, there are many, many bumps in the road, obstacles that will happen, unforeseen things that will happen. And it's really important just to take a deep breath and know that it's going to be okay. And that is the, the biggest takeaway is to just know that everything is going to be okay because there are going to be, I literally felt like I had to jump one hurdle after the next that I wasn't expecting to jump. So I think you just have to keep your mind open because you don't know what's going to happen until you go in for surgery. You can think like we had thought early stage, you're going to, you know, this is great, but you know what? It was another story. And you just can't predict that, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, so you do have to stay open and try and not set yourself up for disappointment. I mean, so, it's a little hard. So, let's talk about that. So, you finally make it to the hospital and you get into surgery. Um, what was that like for you? And what was it like for your family? Because, you know, I know that these surgeries can be really long and oftentimes 
it's the family that's kind of wringing their hands out in that family waiting room going, I hope she's okay. I wonder what's going on. I Talk know. a little yeah, bit it, about that. It was, And it was a long surgery. Um, I believe it was six hours. Um, and I was extremely grateful for my brother coming. My Most of my family lives in Long Island or Florida. And um, my brother came up and um, – was in the waiting room with Jim and also Jim had another friend. So it was the three of them. Um, and so at least they had, you know, the three of them to keep themselves company. Um, for me, I had never been in a hospital, much less a surgery room. Um, so completely um, scary. Because it's just, you know, okay, you're in your robe. And, and I was kind of surprised because they walked walked me to surgery, which I, I don't know. I guess I was expecting I'd get wheeled into surgery. <laughs> but no, I just walked in with my gown and my head cap. Uh, the last thing I remember was the countdown. Okay, we're going to put this over here. You know, we're going to start the anesthesia. And uh, I don't know, I, I maybe got down to 98. And that's the last thing I remember. <laughs> so fast forward. I don't know, six hours, um, because you did your part of the cancer removal, the, uh, sentinel node biopsy, and then the breast, or I'm sorry, the re reconstructive plastic surgery does his part. So two parts. So I fast forward, I'm in recovery and my eyes are not even open. And I hear the nurse say something about the drain under my arm. And as soon as she said that, I knew immediately it had spread to my lymph nodes. It just immediately knew. And I opened my eyes and Jim was the first, you know, he's right there. And I just looked at him and I said, it was in my lymph nodes, wasn't it? And he said, yes, yes, sweetheart, it was. Um, so that was really hard because, you know, and that's scary. Okay. I got this, you know, cancer removed, but now it's in my lymph nodes. So now what happens? Um, so that was really scary, um, for me. And I wasn't prepared for that. Honestly, I really thought, Hey, we're in here early and stage one, no biggie. I'll get this done and, and I'll be done. Um, so that wasn't the case. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So the, the thing is that, right, uh, you, especially because you had been given a clean bill of health, you know, just a few days before you, you had noticed this lump, everyone thought that this was early, but yep. we had talked about the fact that, you know, there's only two people who can tell you anything for sure, God and the pathologist. And I, mm -hmm. I tell all my patients, I'm not God. And, you know, the imaging isn't God either. And, and so you may go in thinking that this is all early stage, but that's why we check the lymph nodes. And Jim, your husband, actually found out that the lymph nodes had cancer because during the surgery, as you mentioned, we check those lymph nodes and we get the pathologist to look at them right under the microscope right then and there to tell us whether we need to take out all of the lymph nodes or not. And so I was just as surprised as you were. Um, but 
You know, right. when the, the pathologist comes back and says, no, we see cancer cells there, uh, you know, you need to take out these lymph nodes. The, the good news about that story, though, is very much like finding cancer at all. The only thing worse than finding cancer is not finding cancer. And so Correct. it was good that we found it and were able to take care of it then and there. But I can completely empathize with how scary that must have been. So, well, and in, in your head, you set yourself up for the best case scenario because yeah. that's what you want. Yeah. You know, you want to be positive, you want to be hopeful. And, you know, it's, and honestly, I really didn't know much, you know, I just didn't know we don't have cancer in our family, yeah. you know? Um, so I really was a complete novice to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. And I did thank God that I had made the decision to get the bilateral mastectomy because I felt like no, not, not having known because you can't know until you do go in for surgery. I felt like at least I made the decision I felt like I had a better chance down the road yeah, um, of a possible recurrence because had I not made that decision and then having it in my lymph nodes, would I have felt the same? Yeah. So I was super grateful that I had made that decision. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a few points there that I think are really important. And the first is that Every woman, every patient is going to make the decision that's best for them. So you should never feel rushed. You should never feel pressured. I always tell patients, you know, knowledge is power, right? And you always want to make decisions based on knowledge and not based on fear. And Correct. so, you know, it's so good when people kind of take in all of the information, process it, and then really evaluate it in terms of their own values, because what you decided might have been something that somebody else might have looked at and said, oh, my God, why are you doing that? It's an early stage mm -hmm. cancer. Why would you? And oh, and you people did to say shut that. all of that out and run your own race. Exactly. And again, you have to trust the inner voice. My gut was telling me to proceed in that direction. Always yeah. listen to your inner voice. Yeah. It will never lead you wrong. It really won't. Yeah. Um, and people can second guess. And you know what? You can second guess my decision all you want. It's my decision. Exactly. Right. So, and thank God we have the, we have the options here to make those decisions. Thank God. Yeah. So, I was, I was extremely grateful. Yeah. So, so for patients out there who are listening, I think, you know, you really need to ask questions, get all of the information and then process it according to what is right for you, which might not be right for other people. And so they may have their stories and their decisions and that's great. And that might suit them, but you need to do what's right for you. So. You're in recovery. Jim gives you this news. You're somewhat devastated. <laughs> I'm de yeah, I'm devastated, but I'm completely out of it as well. I think I fell asleep. <laughs> I think I, I kind of closed my eyes and kind of after a tear came down my cheek, I think I, I think I fell back to sleep. Yeah. Um, 
Anesthesia does have its perks. <laughs> yeah, I I don't, you know what? And I wasn't feeling anything. So, um, cause you did tell me you're going to feel like you got hit by a Mack truck. I didn't feel the Mack truck yet. yet. So, um, exactly. Yet. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. And then I remember, um, my sister-in-law was, was in recovery. Um, so I did get brought into my room rather quickly and I don't, no one stayed very long. It, I think it was like 10 o'clock at night by that point. It was pretty late. Um, so everybody went home and came back the next morning. Um, and then I woke up the next morning. <laughs> so. So we're going to have to take a quick break for a medical minute. But when we get back on the other side, we're going to learn more about Claudine's journey. What happens during her hospital stay? What happens after? Um, because it's now been seven years since her diagnosis and so much has passed. And as she said in the first episode, there was so much for her to learn. And we're going to learn with her right after we take a short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers comes from Smilo Cancer Hospital, where physicians collaborate with diagnostic and interventional radiologists, gastroenterologists, and pathologists to provide expert care for patients with pancreatic cancer. YaleCancerCenter.org slash GI. There are many obstacles to face when quitting smoking, as smoking involves the potent drug nicotine. Quitting smoking is a very important lifestyle change, especially for patients undergoing cancer treatment, as it's been shown to positively impact response to treatments, decrease the likelihood that patients will develop second malignancies, and increase rates of survival. Tobacco treatment programs are currently being offered at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers, such as Yale Cancer Center and its Milo Cancer Hospital. All treatment components are evidence-based and patients are treated with FDA-approved first-line medications, as well as smoking cessation counseling that stresses appropriate coping skills. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Claudine Mori. For those of you who just joined us, this is Claudine's story through breast cancer. And if you missed our prior episode, please do check it out on the Yale Cancer Answers website or on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Anyways, so Claudine, we were at the part where you had just completed a six-hour surgery, found out in the recovery room that your lymph nodes were positive. Your family had gone home for the night. It was a, a late night and you wake up the next morning. This was your first time ever in hospital. What was that ever. like? I mean, man, it's kind of like if you're going to go into hospital, go big or go home. Uh, you know, that's really how I felt <laughs> about the whole thing. <laughs> I was, but I have to say, if you have to be in the hospital, the Smilo breast cancer wing is where you want to be because it was really, <laughs> it was nice. I mean, like I had a nice room. I called the nurses, my angels. Um, you know, I, if I, if I needed anything, they were there. And I mean, I really just kind of, at that point, obviously you can't use your arms. Um, 
I woke up to these contraptions on my legs that were, you know, uh, compressing and contracting, which I guess is to just keep uh, swelling from happening because uh, you're in your bed. Um, I had four drains out coming out of me, which was extremely uncomfortable. And there was that Mack truck that you had <laughs> talked about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I did like, warn you. Yep. You did warn me. And I was like, wow, she was right. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah. And I will say having not, I couldn't use my arms um, yeah. because of the surgery. And I leading up to surgery, I, I was pretty much an avid exerciser and they just brought this class to our gym and it was called CX works, which is basically like a core class. And I hated it. I absolutely despised (laughs) it. It was, it was a half hour of just, I hated it. But (laughs) let me tell you when I could not use my arms to get out of bed, all I kept saying was, thank God I did that core class. Cause I, all I had to use my core muscles in order to get out of bed because I couldn't get out of bed. Like, you know, not using your arms. You're like, okay, how the hell do I get out of bed? Um, so I was very grateful for that. Um, and if I did need help, I did call and somebody did help me. Um, and then I got to see the, (laughs) so bizarre, like, uh, the students that come through, So I got to see them first and it was like, all of a sudden there's like six people surrounding me in white coats. And I'm like, (laughs) what the hell is this? And who are you? (laughs) So they were checking in on me to see if everything was okay. And they were like, so do you think you can go home today? And I looked at them like, are you out of your mind? (laughs) Like, I haven't even been here for 12 hours. Really? So, um, so I, I was a little in shock with that. Cause I was like, wow, how am I, I don't think I'm ready to go home today. And then you came in, my angel came in and she said, I looked at you, you asked me how I was feeling. And I said, mm, I feel like that Mack truck hit me. And you said, you, I, I, I warned you and <laughs> you were absolutely right. And I looked at you and I said, they're telling me that I need to go home today. And you looked at me and you said, are you ready to go home today? And I said, no. And you said, then don't worry. You won't. Yeah. And right there, all my anxiety just washed away. So I did stay one more day. And by the second day, I definitely felt like, okay, I'm ready to go home. I know what I have to do. Um, you know, I knew how to basically take care of myself. Um, I was on pain meds, um, but I did go home. So it was a, it was a quick stay relatively. Um, and then we had to make the appointment to meet with an oncologist because, um, of the lymph node involvement. And at that point, that's when you learn the pathology of what was removed. And that's where you get your, your real diagnosis of what's to come next. So, um, for the next, and I think it was, I don't think I saw, I think it was about a week, um, until I actually saw my oncologist 
So I just went home and started to rest and recover, which for someone, and I say this um, to people, I'm the type of person that I can do everything myself. I don't need help. I'm Miss Independence. I can do it. You know, uh, this is the first time in my life that I actually needed to ask for help. And people really want to help you. Yeah. And it is amazing to ask for help and to receive help and to realize it's okay. It doesn't make me weak because as a woman, we see that as like a sign of weakness. Oh, I need help. No, it is a wonderful opportunity to feel the goodness of people in the universe. And that was probably one of my first lessons to learn here in this long road of lessons. Yeah. So important. Right. And I think that you said it well, people want to help you and sometimes they don't really know what help you need. And so in a sense, you're helping them by asking for the help that you need. And they are so thrilled to be able to help. It is amazing how thrilled they are to help. And it feels really, it's kind of therapy for you because you're like, oh my God, like these people are really out there and they really care and they do, but we have to not shut them out because how many times we shut people out because we're afraid. Yeah. So again, lesson number two, give up the fear. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, And let people in and, um, it, there, there really is so much love um, when you're open to it. Correct. So then you're recovering at home and you go and you see the oncologist. And what was that like? And what did they say? And how did that kind of launch your next phase of this journey? At that point, I will say that that day was the worst day ever. Um. <laughs> I, I, again, I got my oncologist. I believe you recommended my oncologist. I, again, didn't do any research. Um, I just trusted the recommendation and went with it. Um, So it was a very busy day in oncology that day. And um, they didn't really have a room for us. So it was, it was like a closet. We got, like the room was so small. It was maybe six by six. And you've got myself, Jim and my sister-in-law, because like I said, in the first episode, bring people with you because you are not going to absorb what you're going to hear. And you're probably not going to remember the questions that you want to ask. They're just not going to come. So have somebody with you. I don't care if they're your neighbor, just have somebody with you. Um, so you don't get to see your oncologist first. You get to see a fellow. So, and I believe I'm saying that right. It's, they're called fellows. They are called fellows, even though they may be girls. Correct. It was a girl. <laughs> um, so the fellow comes into the room and she turns her back to me and she looks at the screen 
and she starts reading the pathology of my cancer that was removed. And she says, okay, so the first tumor was 3.8 centimeters. The second tumor was 1.2 centimeters and your stage 2A cancer. And it was in your lymph nodes. You had all of your lymph nodes removed in your right arm and your left arm, four of which had cancer. One was extra encapsulated. So you're going to need 16 weeks of chemo. Um, you will lose your hair within 21 days. After that, oh you will not, you will need to maybe do radiation, but, and when oh I tell God. you that it was, she was never turned away from the screen. All I saw was her back the whole time. And as soon as she said, one, I had no idea, extra encapsulated. What the hell is that? Yeah. Like, I, mean, yeah. I don't know what that talking is. Like medical what, you, what, what language are you speaking? <laughs> and she said, you will need 16 weeks of chemo and you will lose your hair in 21 days. I'm like, oh. you might as well had just ripped my heart out at the moment because yeah. one, I did not want to do chemo. And two, I certainly didn't want to lose my hair. Yeah. So at that point I was in sheer like shock, shock, panic, because again, I didn't really do research because Going on the internet, doing research, it's just scary. There's too many unknowns and you're looking at everybody else's story. That's not your story. You have no idea. So why set yourself up? But exactly. I don't, and I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing because I really wasn't prepared to hear what she said. But you know what? Everything happens for a reason. And this is how I received it. And um, my, thank God, my, my sister-in-law and Jim said, wait, you need to slow down. And we need to talk options and we want to talk to the oncologist. Yeah. So she said, okay. And she said, um, she said, I don't, she wasn't, she kind of like rebutted a little bit. And we said, no, we really want to speak to the oncologist now. So she said, okay, um, when she's ready, we'll bring you into the room. So now there's like, she leaves and we're all looking at ourselves like, what the hell? I'm in tears. And now my friend had just gone through chemo, um, just gone through cancer and chemo and she didn't lose her hair. So immediately I call my friend, what chemo did you have that you didn't lose your hair? So she's like, well, I did. And I got, I think, I think she said CMF or something like that. Um, so I said, okay. So I wrote it down or I had Dorothy write it down and we were like, okay, we'll ask about that. And, you know, we were like, there's got to be options. And then I, I look at them, I'm like, what's extra encapsulated? And Dorothy was like, I have no idea. Like none of us, we talk about shell shock. So um, we go into the room to meet um, with the oncologist and the oncologist comes in and just, the mo and again, one of the most amazing people and she explained everything to me and she said extra encapsulated means that it was ready to burst. So I'm like, okay, that's probably a really bad thing. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, so then maybe it has traveled. Um, so she said to me, and I, I told her about my friend had done the CMF, whatever it was. Let's just say that's what it is. Um, chemo. And she said, I truly recommend for your 
cancer and for your diagnosis, the, um, I think it was ACT chemo. So it was, um, and I forget the name exactly of the AC one. Um, but they call that cyclophosphamide. Jeez. How? Yeah. I just remember red devil. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's the adriamycin one, yeah. the red one. So yeah. I remember the red devil. And then the taxol part was the T. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she said to me, we can do whatever chemo you want. She said, but the other chemo is like 1950s chemo. Totally. And she said, but if that's what you want, she said, that's what we'll do. She said, but I'm going to tell you, this is the gold level of chemo. And this is how I want to treat you. Because if your cancer comes back, I cannot cure you. And let me tell you that landed really hard. Claudine Mori is a breast cancer survivor. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital and AstraZeneca.